podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. Star Trek The Next Conversation. I'm Matt. I'm Andy. And I'm already lost without him. Yeah, we're all lost without whoever Quark. Uh, probably talking about Odo there, you know? It does seem like they're really building the... Uh... Quark and Odo. Sort of. Opposites attract, you know. Kind of um, Humphrey Bogart, Claude Rains-ish. Casablanca-ish kind of vibe. Same thing. I always, I always think about Casablanca, D Space Nine. You know, yeah. Just everything doesn't amount to a hill of beans on that station. <laughs> Is it true? Uh, Don't say anything. Anyway, hi. Yeah, three episodes into DS Nine. Is our third? This is a third one. That's right. Sorry about that sound. No one got an email. That was just me. Any hails coming in there? No, that was just you know that was some 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 classic spam. Yeah. Someone asking me to take some climate action. Matt likes to keep his notifications on for all his spam, just to make sure. Yeah, I want everyone to know when I'm being spammed by anyone at all times. Anyway, DS Nine here it is, and uh, I guess we should do the thing where I tell people whether or not they should watch the episode. I don't know. Matt, would you have them watch this episode? Yeah, it's fine. I mean, as far as first season episodes of Star Trek go, it's fine. So, that's how even I feel about even it. by the standard of it being a first season Star Trek episode, you're still sort of Shrugsville on it. Did it blow you away? I don't know that I'd say it blew me away, but I really thought it was very solid and 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 like well done overall and like i would put it in in the solid really good carrot category How many this i mean i felt like it was uh i mean granted i can see why you were saying you feel like it's slow but uh so pavlovian guess, we have uh, to give a number now <laughs> No, you guys are going to hear that in another three hours. <laughs> after an hour and a half of hearing from you, we'll then talk about the show for an hour. And then after that, we'll say how many Andes it got. Let's go to the Admirals Club. All right. Good Matt, how do they get into the Admirals Club? It's very easy. Head over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a five-star review. You can say whatever you want in the review. As long as it's five stars, you'll be welcome into the Admirals Club. And maybe Andy will read your review on the show. Who's getting to read today? Uh, a few of them, because they were short. Uh, first episode of Star Trek was Strange New Worlds uh, from Q Queer? Queer? Q-E-E-R-R. Um, uh, pronounce it how you will. Never seen an episode of Star Trek until Strange New World, the Strange New World show. 
uh, and I love it. Came here to try and get info as I might have uh, I might have missed, and they did not disappoint. We'll definitely listen along as I dip my toes into other Star Trek things. So, uh, welcome. What an interesting way to enter Star Trek. That's why I read it. I thought that was interesting, and I. I gotta, you know, I gotta get on the poll action and find out how many people. Somewhere, Kurtzman is laughing hysterically. How so? And, and that he's he's beating he's the equation. First he's like, ha, 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 ha. now you've seen Star Trek. Well, you know, it's a it's a pretty good one. I don't know if it's a good one to start with overall, but uh, it's uh, yeah, it's a good one to start with overall. It's modern. Before, it has the vibe of old TLs. Trek. Um. Before. You're good. You're good to go. The other thing too is like you're not going to be like uh, that confused about things. No, because it's sort of in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be interesting to see. I suggest we all forget what we've seen of Star Trek and just go back and watch Strange New Worlds. A collective brainwashing. Not disco. <laughs> no, that's too far in the future now. <laughs> gotcha. Not Enterprise. <laughs> Mm, negative. <laughs> um, which we're doing both on the Enterprise. On the Enterprise. We're doing both on the Enterprise. And, that's, that's right. We, we both we're live in the Enterprise. The oh, boy. Uh, we're both doing both on the Patreon. Starting five years late from Eric Nacho. Uh, show is good. Not Nacho as we know him, but uh, Eric Nacho. <laughs> Maybe a cousin. <laughs> Uh, show is great. Really appreciate the don't bother watching advice for bad episodes. Uh, are people still sending you guys abusive voicemails? I don't uh, know. I don't think so. If you'd so. like to abuse us via voicemail, you can go ahead and do that at 816-TREK-TNC. I don't remember what the guy said, but he's referring to someone said sent in one that I played that was specifically saying something about me, and I don't remember what it was. 816-TREK-TNC. Nightmarish. Uh, Here's to the finest podcasters in Starfleet from Joe McD. Just here for Andy's accents. They are spot on. And then an accompaniment to that uh, from Dara... Irish, not Klingon, who's an Irish listener living in Seattle, uh, discovered this podcast just as lockdown started two years ago, and it's been my companion on a weekly, on a daily walk to escape the home office. Very funny. And the guys don't take themselves too seriously. Matt and Andy share great insights as writers, and I'm a little sad that it's coming to an end for the TNG run. Keep up the good work, and thank you. Andy's accent corner. It's gonna be shit. It, it was. He gave up at the end. I felt it. I think he's right. <laughs> <laughs> Look, if I was in a movie and I could do a take by take, then uh, then you'd have no problem. Uh, that's it for. Why would you leave the accent during production? I think you should just stay in it the whole time. I mean, you think you think. They say cut, and I keep the accent. You keep going. I'm not that kind of method actor. <laughs> uh, uh, thanks, Admiral People Club. Thanks for thanks for joining us. And that was the Admiral's Club. The United Federation of Planets.
Hi, welcome to the President's Circle. It's a great place to be. Head over to patreon.com forward slash Star Trek TNC to become a supporter of the show. And in return for your support, you can get some extra podcast episodes. I mean, join the President's Circle and, and you'll get so many every single month. And also, you get this episode early. It's true. I feel like we don't. We never say that. You get an episode. You get this early. At this, you get. Could uh, you imagine doing... hearing this before everyone else? <laughs> so people are chomping at the bit. <laughs> what a dream! No, no, I'm not saying it facetiously. I'm literally like, come on. It's hard to not make it sound sarcastic when you're talking about. Buy my book. <laughs> Buy my book. <laughs> Uh, you get Enterprises, we're doing discos, we're finishing off season four. You get all the back catalog, we're doing at the President Circle level, Voyagers. Um, maybe, you, maybe you haven't listened to us talk about Picard season two and Strange New Worlds ad nauseum. We did it. It's available for you. Join the Patriot. Uh, so, in the President Circle where you get your priority one messages, uh, which I look at first. Um, we uh, award some Christopher Pike Medal of Valor, Valors for... Look, if Andy really likes your message, you're getting a medal. Who's getting a medal this week? Dan Man Mountain says, the reason Odo can't do human faces is that, like Andy, he has face blindness. Oh, I think that's sense. a really fair evaluation. <laughs> Command Master Chief Robert Garrison uh, says, I like how you keep the classic intro, speaking of TNC, and then fold directly into the DS9 theme. And I know uh, Matt did do a fantastic job with that, and I know he's proud of it because he asked me twice, did did you hear the thing? Did you hear the thing I did? (laughs) And he did a really good job. He's he's an audio professional, unlike myself. Um, And a lot of people like that hail. Um. Okay, we're in the priority one message is proper. Oh, well, enjoy your medals. Uh, so good of you to earn them. And here we go. I guess we don't. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. It's all over the place, guys. Welcome. <laughs> priority one. What Michael C. Bazaruski, net related art and discussion curator and your lovable antagonist, uh, says, put it on. Bazaruski! <laughs> Put it on the next box set release. Uh, quote, a reasonable Star Trek, raves Andy Segunda. <laughs> Do you think it was something it was, I said in the last episode? It uh, was, and I pointed it out because it was a ridiculous statement. <laughs> Lieutenant Commander uh, Cosmo Moore, our old friend, says, I really like the relationship. Cosmo Moore. Ron Moore. Why is that the only sound a I Josh Moore. find immediately? Wow, D. Moore. Right Joe Moore. I have a Carl Moore. <laughs> Shout out to all you Moore. I really like the relationship between Ben and Jake. Gotta give a lot of props to the actor and the writers. This uh, could have easily been another Alexander. Throughout the seven seasons, Jake never rubbed me the wrong way. Um, is that your read on Jake? I, I've actually been impressed thus far that Jake, oh, Jake is not. Uh, Jake is not nearly as annoying as uh, other Star Trek children. Yeah. I mean, he's uh, already. I think had... it's because he's an adolescent, you know. And then How old is a, he at the beginning? He turns to a teen, and then if I had to guess, I'd say he was 12. Really? Is that what a 12 year old looks like? <laughs> I have no dealings with, with children. Um. Seems 
older to me. But what do I know? Uh, Dave Howe writes, The thing I love most about DS9 is Dr. Bashir and Garrick. Rewatching their introduction to each other, uh, I feel like I fell in love all over again. Yes, Andy, the ship is very prevalent. So much so that the actors have done recordings. Oh, the ship of uh, Garrick and Bashir. Uh, so much so that the actors have done recordings of fan fiction together. I think most of the fan fiction takes place after the show, so maybe something to revisit in five years' time. That's fantastic that they read the uh, fan fiction. Uh, anyway, the Bashir Garrick ship is my favorite part of the entire show. Garrick is my favorite character from DS9 and in my top five of all treks. This entire episode was worth watching for their scenes alone. He's uh, four. He's fourteen, according to the dates of his birth. Oh, he's even older than you. The, than you said. They arrive. Oh, I guess which is what I thought. Yeah. Um, how old is what's is the kid's name? The Frankie kid. Oh wait, I'm sorry. Oh, twenty three sixty. No, oh, that's correct. Okay, how old is Rom? Oh. Um, Alex Jahans. Well, this is the, this is my favorite track, and I introduced uh, my sister and two friends um, to track. I guess maybe I'm misreading that, but I think he's saying that this is the one he introduced. Uh, it's worth pointing out that Garrick and Bashir aren't just shipped. They were intended to be canon until Berman intervened, at least as I understand it. So this is, there's a lot of people, a lot of hails from people sort of saying, yes, it is sort of a thing. And, uh... Wait, and, yeah, so there's a lot, of, a lot of hails of people wanting to spoil some Star Trek for you. Well... And then a lot of people who are like, well, no, this thing <laughs> doesn't happen because of Berman, but guys, come on. Andy hasn't seen the show. Let's let the relationships play out. Oh, all right. I thought it was, uh, yeah, let's see. Okay, so I'm going to leave it alone other than saying a lot of people said different things. Someone someone in the hails, which I'll just skip ahead to, uh, in the regular hails said. Unprecedented, but let's do it. Okay. Uh, Eric Worrell. Hang on, hang on, hang on. <laughs> okay. Let's go back outside and then we'll do it, okay? okay. What, what is the geography for this on DS9? <laughs> Well, we're using similar doors. Don't worry about it. All right. Now, go ahead. Eric Worrell says, Hi, man, Andy. The Emissary episode. Uh, Oh, wait. Is it not that one? It's... What? Where? Uh, Andy? Secunda? Let me know when you find it. I'll be in here. Here it is. Well, we're coming back. (laughs) All right. What do you got? Let's hear it. Wow, I really blew this. It is a mess in here. Now I can't even tell what's what. There was a clip. I'll find the name in a second. uh, That someone sent me from the DS9 documentary. uh, And I understand that I don't want to hear about, you know, the future stuff. You should you should steer clear of all the things in that documentary. Well, th- but what is your question? I mean, it's like you're watching a retrospective on seven years of the. You know, I didn't watch it. I'm not. I I'll don't want information on it. I'm saying steer clear. This thing. It look. It seems to be that people are saying 
that nothing ever on screen happens between them. Between Garrick and Bashir. At least that's my understanding. And so there's a there's a there's a there's a, a the theory that Garrick is is uh was gay. And then comicbook.com interviewed uh Iris Stephen Bear and uh before the film came out the topic of Garrick's sexuality came up and Barris said at the time I wish we could have done a little bit more with the Garrick character I talked about it in the doc I mean he was clearly gay or queer or whatever or however you want to say it I would have loved to have taken that and seen where that went and how it affected his relationship with his with the with Bashir and then Andrew Robinson who portrayed Garrick said um in the show Garrick took an early interest in the doctor and the interplay between the two characters continuing arc uh, at first Garrick Robinson said at first Garrick just wanted to have sex with him uh, that's absolutely clear and that's was obviously my take but then it seems like a lot of people are saying and some people said it was Berman some people said it was the network and Bear seems to not be saying that anyone was stopping them it was just sort of oh yeah it would have been nice to circle back so I don't know if he's protecting Berman and the network I don't know uh, or you know, just trying to not stir up shit I don't know if he didn't make that choice and he's trying to retcon it because it's like, you know, the the progressive thing to now say, oh, I always wanted to do that. But whatever the case, got a lot of different perspectives. Um, and uh, we can step back inside. Okay, come on in, everybody. And FYI, that was from Roderick Hamilton, uh, uh, that last uh, piece of information. So thank you for that. Um, who is new to the show? All right. Already off the rails. It's what I do best. Where are we picking this up? We're picking it up right here. Uh, John Zhu says, looking at the Kira Cisco Bajor Federation tension in, in this episode, it's interesting to think about how different the show would have been had Roe been the lead Bajoran character instead of Kira. Being a Starfleet officer, Roe represents the Federation first and foremost, whereas Kira, being a Bajoran military officer, represents Bajoran interests. Also, Roe, having left Bajor, Bajor as a teenager, and it's Bajor, right, Matt? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. As a teenager and not coming back for at least a decade would have a much different relationship with Bajoran culture, society, and politics than Kira, who spent her whole life on Bajor. There would be still that torn between two sides dynamic, but perhaps Ro would have been making the opposite journey as Kira. Also, always hated the leg-pulling scene in the episode. <laughs> Thankfully, Kira starts kicking legit ass as the show progressed. She does in this episode, too. Yeah, that leg-pulling uh, scene. Maybe uh, Kira was trying to get his boots. Maybe it was unrelated to trying to stop him. I mean, uh, that's how I would stop anybody. If I was on the ground, I'm pulling your legs. <laughs> um, and I think the row thing is really valid. It was something that uh, that occurred to me. Um... It would have changed. Yeah, it would have. It would really would have altered the whole tone of it, particularly how subtly they're playing everything. Uh, I wonder if it would have made it more overt, because Roe would have been talking. More overt. Well, 
It's like Kira is coming from the Bajoran side and therefore the conflicts within her kind of have to uh, sort of incubate more. Whereas Ro would have been coming from from this side, so it would have been more uh, acute, more like on the surface the way it was in the last TNG Ro episode. Is I guess what I'm saying. Hmm. I don't know. Who knows? It would have. It's interesting how that would have been different. Good point, Lieutenant Zhu. Uh, Lieutenant Dashnell says for casting Cisco. They cast a wide, wide net. Looked for actors from various ethnicities. Alexander Siddig was sought after for Cisco by Rick Berman after he saw him play a Saudi king in a British TV movie and was shocked to find he was only in his twenties. He ended up getting Julian Bashir. Uh, who was originally written as Latino. Um, Julian Amoros. Other Cisco auditioners, Peter Capaldi. We had to wait even longer. Anthony Stewart Head. That surprised me. What was Anthony Stewart Head? What was he doing before Buffy that he would have been in line for that? Or just considered a great actor? What do you you mean? Like, what was... I assume it's just people auditioning, don't you think? Wouldn't that be something you'd put... If you were Anthony Head's manager, wouldn't you put him up for that role? Certainly. I guess... Oh, there you go. I guess my vibe would have been that they... You know, it's like... um, Patrick Stewart was, you know, sort of renowned. He wasn't a, a star, but he was renowned before Next Generation. That He didn't come out of nowhere. So I see Tony Todd, Candyman, uh, and Warp's brother, uh, Bruce Greenwood. So obviously Pike in the Abrams movies. Bernie Casey, did you know that one? Um, and Eric LaSalle from ER and Solo, and many others. I for one loved Avery Brooks's performance, which was later compared to improvisational jazz. You never know he's going to deliver a line, but it will usually be interesting. Catherine Gartner says comments on the pilot since I lost track of release days uh, the the covered bridge where we meet Jake at the beginning the holodeck is the bridge and pond used in Little House on the Prairie <laughs> and then number two Dr. Bashir uh, seems to be a template for Malcolm on Enterprise <laughs> and it doesn't work for here for me either I can't grasp him being the playboy um, I'm not on board with that aspect of his personality yet either Lieutenant Gartner um, I, I don't know if you'll ever get there I hope you do you think so does it become sort of fun at a certain point it seems disturbing in this one in this Bashir and, episode and, uh, Bashir and O'Brien become best friends uh-huh. and that's I think when the characters really start you know having a great time Okay. Uh, Patrick. Spoiler. They develop a friendship. Oh, great. Thanks. Sorry. Now when that happens, I won't be shocked. So sorry. Uh, I feel like they already sort of leaned into that, which is another reason I think that the pilot is successful. They, like, clearly are taking the strains and they're building. Um, Patrick uh, writes, Iris Stephen Bear worked on TNG and left. He was asked to come back for DS9 and was explicitly told if he returned, 
it would be his show to run by season three. So that was part of my question of how he made that jump. And I guess they loved him on TNG. He wasn't going to come back. And that's amazing. And it really also indicates why he would have been so... How little they cared about the property. (laughs) Maybe. Actually, I think you're right. Yeah. Is that that the vibe? Because it really... That's that's what I think. I think it was the bastard child of the... You know, because they were worried about... You know, they were developing Voyager to launch the thing. Yeah. This other syndicated thing. Then Berman's worried about the TNG movies and Voyager. And you're left with DS9 out there doing its own thing. You don't care. It's so funny that a lot of great television, The Wire being an example, is like, well, The Wire succeeded because it cost little enough that they could just keep it on the air and not hassle them. And so as a result... It became one of the greatest television shows of all time. And by the same token, it's like, yeah, if you put Bear on a show, say he's going to be able to run it in season three and then give it to him. He has time to think about what he would do in the show when he's the captain and fucking kill it. Um, John G. And also leave them alone because they don't care. Lack of attention. That's what you need. I hate television. John G says, uh, I guess I ju- I'll just always be confused by the fact that people think political intrigue is slow and uninteresting. I think this episode can stand next to any episode of DS9. I watched DS9 late for the first time somewhere in the last five years, and it was this episode that cemented the show for me as great. I wish much more of the show was about this, the strain of being a revolutionary anti-colonial fighter against a brutal occupation and then not winning outright and defeating the enemy so they can never come back, but essentially strike and retreat for years until the enemy just ran out of valuable resources to exploit from your planet. Living your whole life in the fight and ending in this unsatisfactory stalemate and having to deal with the extreme emotions of all that history while dealing with this new kind of occupation from an even greater power in the galaxy that claims to be benevolent. Kira having to deal with being an agent of that new power in some sense while dealing with someone who hasn't yet given up the fight. When you fought for so long, how do you know when to put your weapons down and work in a new way? That is all very real and important to me, and for people to call it boring seems completely insane to me. Um, and then well. to- yeah. For you to write in saying that you like that kind of thing is completely insane to me. And that's what makes us great. We could still like different things and enjoy <laughs> each other unless your name is Bazaruski. Um So all of his descriptions of the political stuff, do you think they didn't effectively make it I mean, ex- I, interesting? I or it just felt, that I, aspect I, didn't interest you? I fell asleep during his descriptions of the political stuff because that's how boring I find it. <laughs> Whoa. Boring! Well, we're gonna get into the Give episode. Give me some pew-pews, baby! <laughs> this is really... This DS9 turn has really made you and I flip to different sides of the equation. Oh. <laughs> just give me some fun, exciting adventures. <laughs> Uh, Dick Warlock builds on that and says, the thing that struck me you know about... what Iris Stephen Bear did immediately after DS9? Went on vacation? Do you remember that short-lived Jason Alexander show about him being a motivational speaker called Bob Patterson? No! <laughs> yes. How weird is that? What? <laughs> the guy who did so, DS9 did that? 
so weird. This falls into the almost like the don't meet your heroes kind of a thing because it's almost just yeah. like, oh man. Yikes. <laughs> oh well, nobody's hundred percent. You make yourself a legend once, you should be happy about that. Uh, Dick Warlock says, "The thing that struck me about watching DS9 over Qu- he created it." He was the EP and wrote the pilot, so I don't think he created it. I think he did the teleplay, and then I think he was the showrunner. This is why the people who can cross back and forth are so impressive. Is there different skills? Um, Dick Warlock says the thing that struck me about watching DS9 over quarantine is how predictive it often is. There's an episode coming up where I had to look up to make sure it aired before 9/11. That would have been a long time before 9-11, right? So it accurately captured the paranoia of that time. But the thing is, the thing it seemed to nailed over and over again is what happens to a society when it finally reaches its long-fought-for goals, but only sort of, and how the factions that made for effective rebellion can tear at the fabric of a civilization in, quote, peacetime. Um, contrary to what Matt is saying, so this will be an interesting episode to discuss. That is where my head's at, is I'm really looking at the at the subtleties of these political interactions, and I'm like, this is so interesting to watch in a Star Trek show. Um, are the Federation and the Cardassians about equally powerful at this point, says David Sidhu. Uh, it's the second episode in a row, a gull has shown up talking junk. So it made me wonder. <laughs> That's a funny sentence. Why is that girl talking junk? <laughs> yeah, yeah, go coming in talking junk. Get out of here. Get out of here. I'll pew pew you. <laughs> it was uh, that was a thought that I'm. It's as you guys know that is a a frequent thing that I'm obsessed with. Uh, I love to obsess over. It's like, well, how powerful are these? Parties and what is the political Look, like? Where's I don't the balance know of power? if you're familiar with like Russian MIGs occasionally getting too close to United States <laughs> aircraft and airspace in Alaska. It just fucking happens all the time. So, you know, <laughs> I think it is what it is. Um, Alex Jahan's had a longer treatise on it. Cardassians are, as I understand it, a second-tier power. A galaxy class could mop the floor with them as could a Klingon ship. The issue is that it's uh, the far edge of the Federation territory, and there are only so many ships a Car- the Cardassians can successfully bully uh, a single single large Federation ship if they group up. Um, right now, the Klingons are recovering from a civil war, and the Federation are panicking in the wake of Wolf 359 and hastily building new ships to combat the new enemy after losing so much to the Borg. Is that true? Uh, essentially, the Cardassians are in the position Earth is in in Stargate's SG-1 if the <laughs> gold system lords were the Federation. There's this external force, the Borg, the Asgard, that doesn't show up much but is utterly devastating. Uh, when they do so, that is your primary concern. The fact that there's this tiny power that keeps blowing up your shit, Cardassia, Earth, is annoying enough uh, that you'll do your best to stop them if you cross paths and the occasional ship will fight back in the hopes of getting back them to back off. Otherwise, they can keep nipping at your heels because you have other priorities. How do you feel about this rundown, Matt? Seems accurate. It lost me at the Stargate reference, but I was on board for the rest of it. Yeah. Um, 
I don't remember Cardassian uh, warships being that underpowered, but okay. Alex had so. mentioned in another uh, hail on the, on the boards the sort of the effects of the Federation at Wolf 359 and that affecting the relationship with the Cardassians, but I had not maybe it, it's mentioned later. I, I don't I don't uh, although you could certainly um, uh, infer that uh, based on the effects that such a huge thing would have. I, I haven't seen it specifically labeled yet, so I'd be curious if that's true. MST3KD says, I know I'm new to DS9. I've only seen these first three episodes, but is the acting always going to be this melodramatic and over the top? Please. Ass- <laughs> she says, sure, I seem to assuage my fears about where uh, we are heading. Um, and then almost always evil Admiral Dion says, uh, I watched DS9 about three years after it ended because Cisco's big energy turned me off in episode one. Now it's a real favorite, and that same acting contributes to possibly my favorite episode ever of Trek. Yes, there are times he is big, but he's also so great at times that it cancels it out. Um, and I thought it was funny that, that Dion stopped in episode one, because that was my experience, and for partly the same reason. I was like, I don't know if I, I dig this guy's giant performance. I gotta be honest, he did, another, he did another big thing. He took a big swing in this one, too, and I liked it. And do you think that that I've was enjoyed, your original I've enjoyed, experience? I've enjoyed his swings. Or do you think that that uh, that like just because you know you've seen the full spectrum of Avery Brooks's ability that you appreciate it in retrospect? Uh, that's a good question. I don't. I don't know. I don't remember. I don't remember ever having a problem with Avery Brooks's acting. Yeah. I mean, but as an adult, as an adult human now, it's like very funny to see, and also I don't mind it at all. It's sort of an it interesting. Is, it is big. It's big and and theatrical in a way that Shatner's was, honestly. Well, that's the thing I was going to say. It's an interesting pattern of Star Trek, kind of like captains. That it's like in some ways Avery Brooks takes some of the theatricality and you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, whatever theat theater-like actor quality of of uh, Stuart and then combines it with uh, just crazy <laughs> swings of uh, Shatner. Um, just, so... Yeah, I love him. I love the, I love the, I love yeah, the swings. I'd be very interested to watch the progression. Anon1234 says, finally had to join the Patreon to comment because I cannot believe and folks, we encourage you to join the Patreon. Yeah, if you want to comment, you should probably join the Patreon. <laughs> just, just to get your comments on. I think that's a wise that's a wise uh, path for you to take. An excellent usage of your hard-earned <laughs> money. You, sir, are a friend of the show. Thanks for joining us. Uh, finally, I had to comment because I cannot believe the DS9 season one to three slander. I watched it as it aired and loved seasons one <laughs> to three and remember being disappointed when season four hit and they changed so what? much about the show. <laughs> this is what? Full, fully reversed. The Bajoran political stuff is my favorite. And while season one does have some real duds, it also has one of the best episodes of the entire show, Duet. Season two has the wonderful noir episode in the Bajoran arc with both Steven Weber and Twin Peaks' Ben Horn, plus... Kai Wen, oh the intrigue is is that Steven Weber from Wings? Yeah. Oh. 
We could get him on the show if we wanted to do a little interview. No one wants to do a little. Well, Henry, uh, Henry, uh, Andy, you're not Henry. That's my son. <laughs> that is how you see me. That is how you see me, isn't it? You see me as a Andy, toddler. Stop that it. Is Andy. In, in your care. Andy. Andy. <laughs> what does he call you, Bebe? If you, Dida. <laughs> Dida. Uh, if you want to interview someone, go ahead. <laughs> I'm not going to stop. I might do it. Maybe I'll start doing side interviews on Patreon. Um, he's not going to stop doing it. Just don't, don't think he's going to everybody. Maybe we'll set that as he a. He has uh, the intention. He wants to do it. He wants to do it. But I don't think he will. He'll have every intention of doing it. We set that as like a like one of those. What do you call them? The little when you hit this point, then we'll do it. Tier goals. Tier goals. Yeah. Um, I was also wondering because we keep keep getting pressure to cover lower decks. If we uh, if we set uh, finally doing lower decks proper as a tier goal, like some we set some some higher amount. I do it. I don't know that anyone's going to enjoy us doing it. But that's what but I'm saying. People want lower decks. They can have lower decks. Just you know, make sure you vote in the new poll Andy hasn't put up yet because we're only talking about this now. I don't. I mean, I don't want to include lower decks because everyone's just going to vote for lower decks, and it's then not going to be good want, episodes. We should do it. I don't care. We tried to warn them. <laughs> I don't want to. It's like see, this we is tried where, to warn you. This is like you not you, wanting to do Battlestar Galactica or something where it's like everybody wants us to do it. You don't want to do it. I don't want to do lower decks when I know what it's going to be. Right, it's going to be sour. We're a team. We're a team. We evaluations. And so if it's like, if we really get pressured in a major way, then yes, obviously we will do it because it's Star Trek. I don't know. I wonder what what would that major pressure look like? (laughs) I I said a tear goal. (laughs) Um, We're out of the um, priority one messages. Okie dokie. Go back into the hails. So let's head into the halls. Captain, we are being hailed. What's up? Um, this is a thing in the uh, in today's sounds for this episode. Oh. Sorry. Uh, STTNC Quantum Leap crossover theme song. I don't remember when this was sent to us. But I found it somewhere, <laughs> and uh, it was in June. Uh, hi, Andy. Uh, hey, Andy and Matt. Eventually, uh, with your TNG track coming to an end, I thought I'd remind you of the many ideas you guys brought up and have uh, and have yet to see the light of day. Andy's Kickstarter for a TNG Quantum Leap screenplay. Oh my god! I could have, you know, I. Uh, I, I could have done it. Uh, so I made a theme song to encourage you guys. He wanted how much did you want? You wanted a hundred thousand dollars. That's right. Was what yes. you right. Yeah. <laughs> seems, <laughs> seems a little unrealistic now that I understand the uh, social social media podcasting. Like oh yeah, well just like people give us a hundred thousand dollars, right? And then we'll keep all the money and then make all these actors do it for free. <laughs> that isn't what I was saying. I was saying we were paying uh-huh. for paying the actors. Go back I, and listen to Andy. I dispute that evaluation. Um uh anyway, 
uh, he sent us a thing. This is Dan from Virginia. Theorizing about what could podcast within their own lifetime, Matt and Andy stepped into the transporter and vanished. They woke to find themselves trapped in the Enterprise hallway, facing plot lines that were not their own, and driven by an unknown force to change TNG for the better. Their only guide on this journey is Omar, <laughs> a kitty cat from their own time, who appears in the form of a meow meow that only Andy can see. <laughs> and so Matt and Andy find themselves leaping from episode to episode, striving to put right what Wesley put wrong, and hoping each time that Dr. Crusher will do her job. Play it. <laughs> I don't know if there's anything else. That's an interesting. That's go. an interesting twist. I like that you, only you can see our helper. So like you could like really be fucking with everything by making up what the helpers like what they're saying. Omar says that Ziggy says that I gotta sleep with this lady. <laughs> and like Omar's like, no, that's not what I'm saying. And I'm like, and you're like, sorry, Matt, <laughs> gotta go. <laughs> Sort of second I'm like, hand. I can't see him. I guess that I guess he's telling me the truth. I don't know. <laughs> Is that that must have happened in some quantum leap episode where he had to tell someone what was going on? Oh, I'm sure he would always, you know, he'd always be like, "Sam, no, Sam, no," you know, that kind of thing would be happening. Where where he would where he would say he'd be trying to stop him from telling the person. Yes, yeah. I think. You know, because Sam makes up his own mind about how he's going to solve things, even though sometimes he doesn't agree with Ziggy. Another good spin that I wonder if they ever did uh, is uh, maybe there's somebody who's mentally ill and or psychic, and they can see. Um, yeah, I think Al. they did that. Uh, we have another one. Uh I don't think actually these ones went in, so never mind. Uh, DS9 staffing. This is the one from Eric Worrell. Hey, Matt and Andy. In the Emissary episode, you questioned if Cisco's experience on Utopia Planitia was adequate for DS9, and why is Transporter Chief the head of ops? This was me that questioned that. It got me thinking, and I think Federation the Federation expected the DS9 assignment to fail. Here's a planet with no resources to offer on a hostile powers doorstep, that is in political turmoil, they're not going to waste their best resources on an assignment like this. Send in that guy from the shipyard, a 26-year-old, the transporter fell on that annoying doctor. Then they can say, well, we gave it a try. Sorry, Bajor, uh, call us when you figured it out. It helped me wrap my head around things. Hope it works for you guys too, Eric Worrell. I thought this was a really valid spin and, and it makes uh, DS9 seem kind of cooler that it's just like, it does seem just like it's a political move. They don't give a shit. And that's why it is the way it is. Well, I mean, you know how that Admiral woman was talking about that Bajoran woman you have working for you. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> oh, gross. Uh, then we got a tweet from Koslatromi, uh, who said, been rewatching DS9 lately. Can you please mention how the AOL era fonts are a staple of Cardassian design? 
that's funny. I guess that's funny because I don't remember those fonts. Uh, that's it for the the. Uh, what? That's what we're ending on? A font I don't remember? Damn uh, you, Helvetica! I should have said this before. Frequencies closed, sir. sir. If you would like to send a hail, you can send it to sttncpod at gmail. Please put the title of the episode in the uh, subject heading. Uh, you can tweet or Instagram Matt at Matt Myra. You can Instagram me at Andrew Secunda and tweet me at Secunda. And if you'd like to send a hail, voice hail, you heard it earlier. It's 816 Trek TNC. Trek TNC. We crossed many doors to many places. Your hails made us think of all your faces. So plug TNC in your little board node. Let's talk about this week's episode. Hi, everybody. This week's episode, we're talking about a man alone. The story is secretly about me. Uh, and he needs a girlfriend. It is indeed. We have an episode that was released 17th of January, 1993. Uh, what do we do here? Uh, we just, play. We just, we, do we do we do the? What do you mean? Who's, <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> I'm not kidding. I don't remember. <laughs> we play the song and I read stuff that was going on during right. that week. But like, since we already knew the news from TNG, I thought this was, was this the Star Trek. What was also happening in Star Trek, or is that a separate segment? Look, this was a thing that has been debated amongst everybody. Everybody's proposed other things that we would do. We're you only, you have only, changed. We've only done two episodes. Of no, DS9, I understand, so. but it's been in debate because I re- read these hails in advance of us getting to DS9, and you have said, "What do you mean? We would just do the same thing. It's you know whatever. Maybe it's a different week, or maybe it's you know, but we would Great. just read." So I'm glad I was decisive at some point. Way to go, past me. <laughs> so it's I will uh, always seventeenth, nineteen ninety three. What happened? Andy? I will what always love one? you by Whitney Houston again. Rare, a rare occasion in both the UK and the US. Wow, that is very impressive. Because, you know, the UK is usually listening to weird shit. It's true. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Good old Dolly. Anyway, Andy, so what uh, what what was happening? Number one movie, Aladdin. I'll play a song from oh, that. Oh, that's fun. Number one alternative song, Not Sleeping Around by Ned's Atomic Dustbin. Oh, they gave us a weird one. <laughs> Zach Wilson did. Uh, Not Sleeping Around by Ned's Atomic Dustbin. I have no idea. Uh... Bad guys with swords. Who sent those goons to their lord? My Prince Ali. He's got 75. Anyway, go ahead. Number one TV show that week, the Clinton inaugural gala. Inaugural gala. Deaths that week, actress Audrey Hepburn, events, Martin Luther King Day becomes a holiday in all 
50 states in 93 arizona was a holdout <laughs> what arizona the crap still, arizona, arizona still doesn't do it what the crap arizona is holding out in martin luther king day they still don't have it what is wrong with you arizona <laughs> uh do you need to really ask that question <gasps> oh god it is 2022 we're never gonna get to star trek i'm, I'm saying it now that is the dumbest thing i've ever heard Oh, God. That grosses me out. What kind of country do we live in? Uh, okay, okay, everybody. All right. I was wrong. I was wrong. Oh. It hit the ballot a number of times and failed. And then finally, they passed it in November of 92. <laughs> oh, well, this was 93. Uh, it was the last day. It sounds like this was off. Nonetheless, it's crazy that that was even a debate in 92, but yes, I, I, I pull back on some of my, then there has been at least progress on how, passing how, the most obvious how racist thing. Do you, how racist do you have to be to not want a three-day holiday? <laughs> well, that is, that is a really valid, just practical perspective. It's like, what? Are you kidding me? We can't all agree on this? We get the day off. Anyway. <laughs> um, man, I mean, it certainly, it, it, it barely makes a dent in the general reality of this country anyway, but at least I can pull back from spiraling to that degree. Uh, the revelations about Oregon Senator Bob Packwood's serial sexual harassment come to light. Um, Time Magazine covered, do women who turn against uh, and murder their abusers deserve kindness that's it for this that's for this, for this. very volatile this day in Trek uh, and then um, we have a an elsewhere in Trek from Tom Bondurant I don't think we have a thing for it yet elsewhere in Trek perfect here's elsewhere in Trek for a man alone uh, filming continued on Starship Mine Although its shooting schedule was cut from eight days to seven, apparently for budgetary reasons. Furthermore, Memory Alpha says it got an uncredited rewrite from Ron Moore during shooting. There was no new episode on TNG uh, for, uh, of TNG on the air that week, but the Akuta's Star Trek chronology, 1996 edition, says that the Enterprise was on its way to the Detrian system to watch two gas giants collide. Uh, we'll find out more when that when TNG returns that week. That's fun that the Okudas wrote a thing that was like, well, this is what was going on in between the episodes. That's kind of fun. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's it. Let's do this. Okie dokie. Uh, so, Man Alone was a teleplay by Michael Piller and a story by Gerald Gerald, sorry, Sanford and uh, Michael Piller, directed by Paul Lynch. An old enemy of Odo's is murdered behind locked doors, and all the evidence points to Odo as the serial killer. Odo. Oh, yeah, the whole screen. I might as well just give you the give you the window of this. Who do you think decided what what Dax's 
position for this meditation was. I think it was like, uh, Terry, what can you, what, 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 can you look like meditate? Like, how would you sit for that? Should I make it spacey? And then, and then, and then, and then then Paul Lynch was like, it doesn't look alien enough. Could you like, I don't know. Could you like put your feet together? (laughs) Right. And she's like, yeah, I think so. It's a little uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, I can do that. And action. It's mostly the, I guess the feet, but also the hands pointed down. It's just. Oh. Interesting. You know what? That's the, it's like a physicalization of made-up word word we know. Is <laughs> what I feel sure. like I'm looking Recognize at. Recognize someone. The rhythm of their steps, for example. You are remarkable, Julian. You and I need to have a talk about trills and relationships. Fine, we'll do it over supper. Quark has found me this delightfully dry champagne. His steak bottle on chorus one. Julian, what is this? An Eltonian brain teaser. A brain teaser. A puzzle. A puzzle? Mm. I love puzzles. How does it work? It responds to neural theta waves. The goal is to turn the sphere into a solid color. So she failed at it too. And then uh, he pops the bubble. It's a great time. Everybody gets real touchy with Bashir. Well, I mean, look at him. I know, but it seems like... You just want to squeeze him. Seems like Dax is he's so squeezable. Isn't interested or minimally has well, complex so, uh, feelings. Are you free for supper? That's what I'm reading Pretty so nice. far, guys. I don't know Sorry. what happens. Perhaps another time. Maybe you'd like to try again. Doctor. So obviously the Bashir character at this point hasn't hasn't aged that well. <laughs> Maybe other uh, aspects of his character that uh, that may uh, shade that. Hmm. The wormhole does bring them our way, doesn't it? Everyone wants a piece of the new frontier. <laughs> and I'm sure you've already tried to sell it to a few of them. We made the decision. That's not true. That's not true. So I assume uh, Keiko here is shouting, but it's a space parking lot. I mean, we're never going to go anywhere. Do you think Rick Berman even cares what happens on this show? <laughs> As Chief O'Brien and the missus are having problems. I'll never understand the humanoid need to couple. You've never coupled? Choose not to. Too many compromises. It's really, Odo, for someone who chooses not to couple, has a lot of very uh, take my wife please yeah. ideas of how that coupling would go. I think he. Uh, I think he understands everything about human relationships from the Lockhorns. <laughs> you want to watch the Caronet tournament? She wants to listen to music, so you compromise. You listen to music. You like Earth jazz, she prefers Klingon opera, so you compromise. You listen to Klingon opera. So here you were, ready to have a nice night watching the Caronet match, and you wind up spending an agonizing evening listening to Klingon opera. <laughs> I mean, what's strange is this is the 24th century? Like, what's, uh,. Is he misinterpreting human relationships? Like, is this what the writers really think about 
gender roles in relationships? A thousand percent. That's just what they think. And so they're like, yeah. it'll never change. Come on. <laughs> yeah. And it's also like, there's only two things you can do. You can either watch sports or listen to music. <laughs> Ladies love listening. Not even good music. What kind of dumb music are they going to make us listen to tonight, fellas? Let's stay in the office all night and say we have to meet a deadline. Night in my house, my dad insisted. Who wants to order Chinese? Yeah. Said that we have supper together as a family. He would try out his new recipes on us. He used to call us his test tasters. Steamed asthma would put years on your life. Dax, I don't want years on my life if I can only eat steamed asthma. Sauteed. Rolloped. Fricasseed. Fine, but not steamed. <laughs> I would put this in the category of weird yes, books reading. Yes. <laughs> Fine, but not steamed. <laughs> What's going on? I mean, I'd love to see just, the other takes. <laughs> do you do you not agree with him? Steamed is the worst way to eat things. I don't know. I don't know what asthma tastes like. Sometimes there's a. Sometimes things... Uh, wouldn't, you, wouldn't you rather have it deep fried, whatever it is? I guess that's fair. If it's creamed, then, uh, you know, creamed spinach I like better than a regular spinach. But that's probably the dairy. Well, that's also sautéed and not steamed. That's a good point, Matt. <laughs> uh, it, was. it was in the previous scene, but also uh, Quark says she doesn't like it here, and Odo says, who does? So is that the general take on this station of like ugh we gotta be here yeah oh interesting have you not watched the first three episodes along with me I don't believe first of all anyone want is anyone wondering besides Bashir is anyone like this is the best I don't feel like Bashir seems to only like it because it's the wild wild west I feel like Kira is upset about the political situation specifically I don't feel like anyone else has expressed a take on like, oh, this is hell here. Uh, I don't think, uh, like, I don't think it's being presented as particularly enjoyable so far. It's an old Cardassian station, falling apart. Uh-huh. You were, are, a mentor, another father to me. This happens to Trills Benjamin. Sometimes our friendships with other species don't survive because of the change. It won't be that way with us. It's just uh, a little uncomfortable right now. I suggest that you allow yourself to feel comfortable with your discomfort. Time can do the rest. So, Andy's slowly getting his trill answers. Here it feels like, because I was corrected on my description in the last episode of, uh, I was using the word trill for the symbionts. Yeah. And then someone said, well, the symbionts are actually something different. But I feel like her phraseology here is using... Is the same phraseology we use, correct. Right. So, FYI. Yeah. I don't know if she's... This is what I'm... All I'm saying is it's a very confusing... Oh, wait. Actually, I don't know if it's here so much as later in the episode, I think. I'm thinking about... Um, Keep going. All right. I mean, you had no thoughts on that. Oh, the thing that I... The thing that I liked is uh, Dax saying, I suggest that you allow yourself to feel uh, 
comfortable with your discomfort, which I think is, this is the second episode in a row. Actually, I guess the first one, I'm trying to remember what the first one was, uh, where I wrote down something um, uh Cisco said and I was like that's great life advice and I wrote it down I feel like this is also great life advice it suggests you feel you allow yourself to feel comfortable with your discomfort mm. well there you go Andy you're picking up a lot more from DS9 than I thought you would yeah Promenade. you better ask your Federation superiors about that one I don't have to check with anyone better write that down that's good advice I don't have to check with anyone and then punch somebody now uh Knowing Odo as you do later, is uh, yeah. is he? Should he be able to? Is he like you know one of these Klingon Vulcan superpowered people in terms of strength beyond his his shape shifting ability? Yeah, as far as I remember, yeah. So face off with this guy. There shouldn't be any fight. Like, do you know how strong clones are? Because I don't. What if they're stronger? Okay, so then let's also get into that. <laughs> this guy is a clone from the beginning. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the other guy is where? In a in a robe. Observing. Oh, the guy getting the massage later is the actual guy? Mm-hmm. No, the guy getting the massage the guy that gets killed is the clone. Is the clone, right. This is also the clone. Right. So, and then the other guy's just watching the whole thing. And where is he watching from? Do we ever find that out? Yeah, he's in, he's, you know, he's everywhere all the time. And then you're like, who's this? Oh, oh, he's, he's the old guy. guy. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Um, Get off the station. Get off the station. 26 hours. And he's, and the clone is acting like a dick because he's just, it's one of these things of like, it's almost like, a, you know, in the episodes with the transporter where you're like you've recreated the same person like he's living his life from the moment that he was created as a clone that's unclear okay they don't establish it at all i was confused i wish they had said something but unclear okay look i'm willing to ask for a transfer that'll make you happy that's not fair either. You'd have to give up your promotion. Not necessarily. I wish I knew the right thing to do. I'm just lost here. Starfleet doesn't need a botanist on the station. Keiko, there's a whole new quadrant on the other side of the wormhole, full of new plant life to explore. And ship's going to explore it, and I'm not on any of them. We'll be sending runabouts through the wormhole. I'll see to what you get to go. I don't need favors from you. I just need to be useful. Just think how much more attractive this place could be if you'd planted some trees and flowers in the promenade. You could even create an arboretum from the new specimens we bring back from the Gamma Quadrant. It's funny that they Yawn. they spend all the shoe leather on other things that she could do, and that's like, oh, that's a totally reasonable thing to do. But it's like, no, she's going to end up running a school. That's <laughs> your occupation. I didn't mind the scene. We don't have to go back for it. But I don't mean the scene between uh, Jake and Rom. Rom. What about it? I don't mind it. I like, I like you know, kid stuff in Star Trek, as we've said before, usually comes off like 
you know, terrible kid actors or ch- kids theater. And uh, I like both the performances and I like their relationship so far. Is doesn't sound like there's much we can do about it. I can get him off my promenade. If he hasn't done anything wrong, you can't just arbitrarily force him to leave. Watch me. Mr. Odo, you're not going to take the law into your own hands. The law? Commander, laws change depending on who's making them. Cardassians one day, Federation the next. But justice is justice. And as long as I'm in charge of security... If you can't work within the rules, I'll find someone who can. I really like this side of Cisco. I like that he's he's a firm leader in a situation where he has to be a firm leader. He doesn't mess around, but he's also, you know, he's a diplomat. Um, and like even how he says, you know, you're not going to take the law in your own hands. He's it's basically a command, but he's sort of saying it in a way of like, come on, we're agreed on that. Um. That'd be crazy, right? <laughs> it's, it's sort of a smart way of handling yeah. it. Uh, so crazy. <laughs> what are, crazy. What right? are we talking about? You gotta take the law in your own hands? God. We'd agree that guy to get out of here, right? We'd agree that. We'd agree that anyone who took the law in their own hands would be real dumb, right? <laughs> uh, what, what are you, like, like a crazy person? Is that what you're saying? Um, but uh, I don't know if this is something that's later to be sort of fleshed out. But um, I'm confused how... I don't know if I've sort of touched on this. I'm confused how someone who is essentially moral, like Odo, was able to work for the Cardassians anyway. Like, how how did the Cardassians let him kind of just float around and do his own thing anyway? Particularly since he uh, hates them. Well, look, the Cardassian occupation of Bajor. They still, the Cardassians had the station. Bajorans were on the station too. He was still working. You know, it was like, hey, why don't you be our chief of security? And then Odo's probably like, okay, we got nothing else to do. <laughs> that casual I huh recently i recently broke up with someone who made me listen to opera one night <laughs> i can't get over it i'm pretty i'm pretty free <laughs> about julian well, did you have a nice dinner with commander cisco julian trills do not look for romance the same way humans do in fact we find it quite a nuisance what a nuisance it's a weakness of the young and although a trill host may have these feelings occasionally it is our wish to live in a higher plane, to try to rise above these kinds of temptations. Well, you said try to rise above, which suggests you don't always succeed. Julian. Cisco to Dr. Bashir. Not, Go ahead. Not Jill. We need medical assistance above the bar in Hollow Suite 4. Acknowledge, Commander. I still have that champagne. On ice. That... I gotta go. Someone's been murdered. <laughs> Is he throwing in on ice? <laughs> like we gotta get to it. <laughs> yes, I believe so. Uh, they have a good time laughing about the thing. <laughs> they have an embarrassed chuckle. I think. Uh, I think it all is harmless fun. You know. Apparently not. Get, uh, yeah. The suite was secured, so no one else could enter. 
He ran Loriento Massage Hollow Program number 101A. Thirteen minutes later, the door was opened for the second time, but since Ibu Dan obviously didn't exit, we have to assume that's when the killer left. Any evidence of a beam-in during those 13 minutes? No. Well, then how did the killer get in? He might have entered the hollow suite the same time Ibudan did. Cause of death's no mystery. The knife was thrust directly between the left and right thoracic vertebrae, perforating the lower ventricle of the heart. The murderer... When I, I was like, I was like, oh, maybe the, maybe he programmed the uh, hollow suite to kill. That was one thing I thought. That would have been great. I also I was like with a real knife, like he left a real knife in there and programmed the hollow suite to kill. That's how the knife is still there. That's a great way and to. It was even more bananas. It was a clone. <laughs> yeah, I liked it though. I like. I don't know. I like. I like the progression. This is like your classic, and I understand people have said when I say this is your classic Inspector Tuvok episode, that they're like, well, Tuvok was doing Odo. Like, I get it. But um, but uh, it, was, uh, it was great. It was like, a, boy, would uh, fucking Maurice love this one. <laughs> um, it's just like, you know, it's, it's a step-by-step murder case. They do some nice sci-fi stuff with the clone stuff. I thought it was going to be because of the changeling stuff and saying someone, because Odo was like, someone might have come in like a changeling and he's just sort of realizing that he's being framed. Uh, I thought it was going to be revealed that there was maybe a different changeling that had killed him. Um, But... uh, I really enjoyed, and I thought it was a it was a clever and well written murder plot in a way that you don't often see when they do these murder plots in Star Trek. Yeah, because it's like you know, a lot of times it's not someone getting murdered with the intent to frame somebody, right? Which is the case here, which I thought was nice uh, differentiation. What looking for trouble. Those kids had no reason to be hanging around the promenade. It's about the only place they have to go. We can't keep them locked in their rooms. This isn't like a starship, Miles. The kind of freedom children have on the Enterprise just won't work on a space station. There are too many ways to get into serious trouble here. Oh, I'm sorry, and they couldn't fucking blow up the Enterprise accidentally? (laughs) I bet they could have. What this place needs is a school. cut to O'Brien has to be the teacher. <laughs> this is a weird place to cut. I'm like mulling on it. What? Uh, what? Oh boy. Well, it's just that the murdered man, Ibudan, I spoke to him yesterday about an hour before it happened. Where was this? Quarks. By the Davo table. It was after his struggle with the shapeshifter. He told me that he was scared. He was afraid that Odo would kill him. There isn't a more honorable man on this station than the constable. Maybe so. All I know is an hour later, Ibudan was dead. Took a long pause in that line. It's not new information. But if I I wait a long time, uh, (laughs) I'll have to stay on my shot. (laughs) They're, uh, they could just cut to the cutaway reaction. But no! the, uh, <laughs> um, 
He's also saying, but all I know is later Ubadan was dead. And it's like, yeah, they already fucking know that. That's like playing yeah. that moment like, wait a minute, yeah, he was dead? Yeah. <laughs> and it's also like unclear. Like, so the, the guy, that guy who, you know, no one should trust seemingly, right? That right. guy had nothing to do with it. Right. He just was tricked by the clone being like, oh, boy, <laughs> I feel like Odo's going to kill me later, maybe like in an hour or so. You mean he was tricked by the... Oh, right. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Boy, oh, boy, it'd be strange if I died and Odo... Uh, Wait a minute. Here's a further thing. Because I think you're right. I think it was clearly like that person, whoever that person was, and I think you're right, it was the clone, <laughs> was laying the groundwork for Odo for the fake thing later. But if that's the case, the clone was preparing for his own death. Well, then maybe, I don't know, maybe that wasn't the case. Maybe it was like the guy was back and forth between old man makeup and himself. Yeah. Although, you know, that's really going to be a lot of time in the prosthetics chair. I mean, look, it's, <laughs> I think it's easier now in the super duper future. The, larger board. the poor makeup artist. If there's anything else you need, I want a record of all the passengers on board. I forgot about the, <laughs> forgot about the fact that he had, like, one of the things was, wait a second, he wanted larger quarters? There's a bunk bed? So, like, him and his clone slept on bunk beds? Who had the top bunk? Let's make that sitcom. It's so <laughs> weird. That's what he requested, but only one passenger was logged Multiplicity, in. Multiplicity, but with two pajorans. If there's anything else you need, I want a record of all the passengers on board. <laughs> of course, I'll get you a copy of the ship's manifest. Who ate what all the asthma? What do you think his assistant constable there, what do you think he's playing? Uh... He's uh, he's being it's, it's a real utility player. He's not really making a strong choice. <laughs> I, I think I, if, I feel like he's yeah. nervously trying to remember his lines. <laughs> That's the choice he's making. <laughs> you may be right. I think if I was in that, you want to play it again? <laughs> yeah, just so you can hear it. This was Ibudan's quarters. Feel free to look around. It's very flat. Double accommodations. That's what he requested, but only one passenger was logged in. He probably just wanted larger quarters. If there's anything else you need... I want a record of all the passengers on board. Of course. I'll get you a copy of the ship's manifest. <laughs> I think he thought he was playing a robot. Maybe he's already suspicious of Odo. He's never seen the show. He was dressed up like an alien. He was like, oh, so do, uh, do a 60s alien voice, eh? I must be a robot then. <laughs> Did you? I assume that everyone's discussed this endlessly. What's that? Alderaan. Um, yeah. Yeah. People can't stop talking about it. Alderaan. They mentioned Alderaan. It doesn't really work it's in the them. timeline unless it's. Uh, it's they on re- them a long time ago when it got far, far away. That shit was blown up. Yeah. No one here even close to my age. That's not exactly true, Jake. There are twelve other children on board, ranging from eight to sixteen. The problem is there's no structured activity for them. Don't you miss the schools you used to go to, Jake? No. I guess. Studying alone on the computer, it kind of gets boring sometimes. You know, I've never actually been a teacher, Commander, but it's something I've always thought about doing. As a Starfleet commander and a father, I think it's a terrific idea. What do you need? Uh, some space? We'll find it. Look out! Look out the window. Computers. You'll have them. <laughs> How many? Uh, I can give you five. 
I'll see you later. Bye. Oh, don't forget, there's Ra- there's uh, some Ferengi and some Bajorans, and uh, they get real weird sometimes. I'll see you later. <laughs> Good luck. The cellular spectrographs and the particulate matter traces. I asked Lieutenant Dax to confirm my findings, and I'm afraid she concurs. There were no new DNA traces found in the Hall of Suite. You're saying nobody went into the room with him? Well, apart from those of us who were in there after the body was discovered, this was the only DNA present, and we've identified it as Ibudan's. Wait a minute. Ibudan goes into the Hall of Suite alone, locks the door. Nobody transports in. A few minutes later, he's murdered. How is that possible? It's not. Unless the murder was committed by someone who could get through the cracks in the door. I wish they had, like, started with... Could it have been a malfunction of the hollow suite? Yeah. Because it does seem weird. They're all like... This, nothing's possible except right. for a shapeshifter squeezing through the door or a tiny ant who made himself big. In fairness, that is the same thing. It's like, that's... that's Like, uh, Discovery is all over that kind of shit of, like, sort of saying, like... Unless it's this one explanation in this universe where it's like we've established there could be a billion explanations. I don't like it here either. Calendar shows he was planning to meet with me at the time of the murder. No one except a shapeshifter could get into the hollow suite. And since I'd obviously be called there after the body was discovered, traces of my DNA wind up the scene of the crime. Do you have any kind of an alibi? Major, I have to return to my natural state every 18 hours to regenerate. To be quite honest about it, I was in a pail in the back of my office when Ibudan was killed. I love that detail. The might have known your regenerative cycle and planned the murder accordingly. Like I said, a neat package. Who might want to frame you for murder? I can think of about 500 different people, but I haven't seen any of them around the station recently. Do you think that... That was another reason I thought it might be a change. Makes sense. By the way, uh, we're obviously not on the same page because I I was entertained by all of this, but to me, the great world building that they're doing in terms of like that conversation with Odo, like, oh, that's interesting. I never knew that. That <laughs> he's like, I didn't know that so far. That he's he has to revert to his original form in a like some weird liquid form in a pail every eighteen hours, and they do it in an organic way. The conversation with Cisco and um, Dax earlier, you know, is like, oh, that's that fills out their relationship in a in a chill way. Uh, that feels organic. It doesn't feel like we're slowing the whole episode down to do this. It feels like it's in the flow of the show. I just think they're doing a good job at filling out the characters. Sorry, did I cut you off? No, I was just going to say, I called I called uh, Nog Rom earlier, so when you get Hale's prime correcting us, we already corrected it just now. Nog is the child. They're going to be like, they're going to be like, Matt called Rom. Matt called Nog Rom. Yes. Rom is the child. Nog is the adult, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) We throw them into the cutthroat competition of Ferengi Converse. And anyone who survives graduates. 
Are you prepared to teach that to my son? I'm sure I couldn't improve on what you've already taught him in that department. Thank you, thank you. I've taught him everything I know. It's so important that we prepare our youths for the challenges of the future. Exactly. Consider the advantage your son will have over other Ferengi once he's learned about other cultures, once he's learned how others run their economies, conduct business, negotiate. You will teach my son these things? Knowledge is power, Mr. Rom. It can't work. He will not listen to you. Why not? You are female. So? My son cannot learn anything from a female human teacher. Let him try. Um, love Ferengis and their views on women still. They're great. <coughs> Doesn't seem that different from Odo's views. Um, is there a... Do we ever get a sense of what it is that turns Rom around? Nog? Rom? Which one are you talking about? Rom is the, is the father, right? Yes, yeah, yeah. What turns, turns Rom around? In the sense of like... In terms of saying he can be in the school. It's like he brings oh, him I in sort of angry. I think it's, this, I think it's this swing. This, this sort of like... No. The promise of economic... Uh, but he's... Riches. This... This scene ends with, well, think about it. And he's like, yeah, right. And he doesn't seem that into it. And then when he comes in later, he's like, take him, take this boy and teach him. And it's not established what the issue is. Well, it seems like he's coming in with a lot of fire later, like as though something happened. a deleted scene where he annoyed, uh, Nog annoyed Rom. (laughs) Oh, man. If I could see that Nog-Rom scene. Oh, boy. Oh, shit. It would be so good. Gotta get the DVDs. Why is he still sick? Where my Nagram seen at? Security chief. You're right. You gotta talk to Major Cura. Nobody knows him like I know him. Let me tell you something. He's an ill-tempered, overbearing cross patch. But he was no Cardassian collaborator, and he's no killer. I can't believe you're defending him, Quark. You're his worst enemy. Guess that's the closest thing he has in this world to a friend. I love that establishing of the characters. It's really nice work here in the third episode. Boy, oh boy, that Edward Albert's a real creepo. Is that creepo going to be in the other episodes? Is he like an ongoing weird presence? I don't remember him. I'm wearing a hood, the indication of someone who's trying to draw attention to themselves because they're mysterious. Is only in this episode. I've never heard crosspatch is a real word. I've never heard crosspatch. A bad tempered person. It's you, Matt. Hi. <laughs> Where are my fellow crosspatches at? I'm crosspatch and I'm Andy. Just saying, I understand your concerns. We're not saying whether he's innocent or guilty, Commander. All we're saying, isn't it reasonable under the circumstances? Thank you. Very much for coming. All right, guys, I guess we should leave. (laughs) Come on. Grumble, grumble, grumble. Oh, this is wrong. And what would you suggest we do? He didn't do it. 
The man we have in charge of a murder investigation is the prime suspect, Major. Those people have a right to complain. Even if he's innocent, it could still seem like a conflict of interest, Kira. You're going to relieve him of duty. I don't see any other choice. He has been completely candid about this investigation. He could have covered his tracks a half a dozen times already if he were guilty. I appreciate how you feel. But the decision stands. I'll inform him myself. I also like, in terms of it as a murder plot, that they do do that. They have Odo, he's clearly leaning into it and saying, yes, of course, the only thing that could have, I don't agree with this, but the only thing they could have gotten in is a changeling and and I'm listed on the thing. It's like he sees that it's a frame up well before everyone else does and tells Kira. So it's kind of what we would call an improv, playing it to the top of your intelligence. Um... So it's not like... Oh my God, Andy. Everything's not about improv. I mean, he's yes-anding. <laughs> Kira's... Um, I just... Uh, I... I uh, Constable at the promenade. <laughs> Thank you. Constable at the promenade. <laughs> Mur oh. Murder in the hollow suite. <laughs> Um, anyways. Live comedy, guys. With these Seofurian fragments near the matter reclamation unit. Dish, please. It appears he was trying to get rid of them. Do you have any idea what they're from? I know exactly what they're from. A biological sample container. I use them all the time. What would Ibodan be doing with a biological sample container? There's only one well, thing he so could sure be doing. That. But when I analyze the fragment... <laughs> He's sampling biology. <laughs> I detected traces of a complex organic structure. Translate, doctor. It suggests Ibodan may have been conducting some sort of medical experiment on board his ship. He wasn't a doctor or a scientist. <sighs> well, let's see what a standard electroforensic analysis tells us. Sort of an interesting quirk of uh, of Odo that he plays a lot of lines off the to the side without looking at the DNA person. <laughs> I wonder if that's what changelings do. We should set up a bioregenerative field to accelerate the cellular development. If I can reconstruct the DNA sequence, it might just give us an idea what he was up to. Cisco to Odo. Here. May I see you in my office, please? Acknowledged. He's got his, he got his uh, smoothing over the, uh, smoothing over the problems. Uh, Cisco voice on here. Um, come on by, <laughs> just come hang out for a little bit. I'm not, I'm not we'll chat. Um, uh, relax, baby. Uh, here's a. I don't. You you guys probably already know this, but um, since he's a changeling, and he's creating those eyes. Can changelings see from all parts of their being? I would assume, right? Because, like, didn't he, like, make himself the floor in one episode? Right. So I would guess there's the reason maybe he's not looking at people because he's like, <laughs> like, I'm watching you out of the side of my face. I don't need to look at you. I like to use the backs of my knees to see. <laughs> so would you say this is your first theory? <laughs> 
90s theory. Could be. Odo sees out of the side, out of every part of him. It's really, I don't know. It's not really great, Andy's. Not that funny. Andy's theories are very interesting because he's really smart. Will that be all who will be taking over the investigation? I've placed Major Kira and Lieutenant Dax in charge. Will that be all, Commander? I want you to know, I don't personally believe that you're responsible for this. Really? Now, how can that be true? <laughs> you don't know me. You have no reason to believe I wouldn't kill Ibudan if it suited my fancy. So don't tell me there isn't some doubt inside of you, some question about whether or not I murdered the man. I, like I this simply too. feel that putting Kira and Dax in charge of the investigation will be in everyone's best interest, including your own. I'll take care of my own best interests. I kind of like that Odo is such a hard ass that Cisco, because Cisco's to me, to my way of thinking, completely in the right. It doesn't matter whether he's guilty or he's not. He's like, of course, he's one. Of, he's a suspect. You can't have him running the the uh, the investigation. That's not that's not proper procedure. You can't look. He already checked the manifest. He saw that he was uh, there was his a his name this was is, in there. This is Hawk here. This is Spencer Fahey's <laughs> partner. He's got a lot he's of. He's not going to let that fly. <laughs> oh boy, Maurice would have loved it. <laughs> You know, I do what they don't address. I bet it was the cartels that were behind all this. You know, what we need is a scene where Cisco's chasing a perp down the promenade. <laughs> um, but maybe I, he jumps over a fruit cart and maybe he goes through some glass. <laughs> um, but I, I love that Oda. So he's basically saying, like, well, no, I don't think you're guilty. And Odo won't let him get away with that. He's like. You don't know if I'm not guilty. You don't fucking know me. You have a little doubt in your mind. And it's like, that's true, but he's still making the right decision. You're just being <laughs> like a complete I'd be like, hard I'd be ass. like, I gotta be I gotta be honest with you. I didn't think so until you started this double down <laughs> thing you're doing right now. Which is a very suspicious behavior. <laughs> Good day. <laughs> So we can't see what they wrote on the wall, right? That's like in Bajoran or some shit. That's a shift shifter. Oh, shifter. Oh. I'm word blind. Obviously these, these, <laughs> all, obviously, these Bajorans would write in English. Well, then there you go. Not for me. Tell it to Starfleet. I'm not in charge here any longer. Maybe the Universal well, Translator is reading it on the wall and changing it for us. <laughs> There's a piece of good news to brighten my day. You better take advantage of my absence while you can, Quark. Oh, I will. I will count on it. I'll have every confidence man in the sector on board by tomorrow. You do, and I'll... Uh Uh-huh, I can't do anything. You're going to get sloppy without me to keep an eye on you. I don't think so. You've kept me on my toes for far too long now. Sure. Turned you into a better crook. Like it or not. (laughs) Quark. Think you could use a shapeshifter in your organization? Uh, (laughs) 
you had me going. <laughs> I did, didn't I? Yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I've been asking some friends at Krontobo Prison about Ibudan, whether he made any enemies while he was there. Couldn't find it. Mostly, he stayed around the Bajoran dissidents that the Cardassians locked up. So, I really like this scene. I have some questions. It feels like the subtext here is that that like exactly what we're saying about the Casablanca aspect and that he's you know, they kind of appreciate each other even though there's antagonism, mm-hmm. which I love. Yep. But when Odo says would you have use of a changeling? Uh is it like Odo really going like, well, I gotta figure out something to do? Is he really considering it? Because Quark responds as though he's messing with him. No, I think that he's messing with him. You think he is messing with him? Yeah, I do. Uh, and then my follow-up question is, is Quark telling him that information at the end because he is trying to help him figure out who framed him? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think you're right. <laughs> think You think I'm right? Uh, it I'm seems right. you're right. But I don't know. It's clear I'm right. Whatever you say. My favorite thing about this prop is that the container gets bigger and bigger. (laughs) Does it? Transhumanoid, Julian? You're totally right. But there's a genetic drift I can't quite put my finger on. So, what is this? This is the clone, obviously, but first of all, super gross. Um... What is the deal? They find some material at the murder scene. Is that what it is? No, he finds the material in the biological container that he was trying to dispose of. I see. And so then what does he do to make it start turning into a clone? Well, they put it into this accelerator bath thing, this non-real thing. I see. And then at the end, and he's putting it in that to kind of stir it up so he can figure out what it is. Yeah. And at the end, when he's like, and tomorrow this will be a citizen of the whatever. Is that like a throwaway thing where it's like, we created a fucking being and then that's that and there's no other repercussions or discussion of this? That guy's just going to be walking around? I guess so. And he's already been established as someone who's a criminal. Or not a criminal, but whatever. Whatever he is. Terrorist guy who's Again, framing. we don't know how these clones bake. You know what I mean? Right. Like, we don't know if it's the same, you know, you get the same sort of how many- uh, feelings or, uh, right. uh, you know, nurture nature. We're not sure. Well, I really like the clone solution to the murder, but there's a lot of weird strands <laughs> that are left un- unanswered at the end. It's another one in a later conversation. I guess that Jadzia is probably the sixth host. Has she changed much? Changed. From the last one, uh, Curzon Dax. I understand a trill integrates the personality of each new host. I guess I'll have to find that out. If I were to tell you some of the mischief he and I used to get into, there was a time I was no older than you are. We were attending the running of the regime steeplechase. 
Dax loves the races. Anyway, there were these gorgeous seven-foot Ruji twin sisters that Curzon knew, and he and I... <laughs> I guess we won't be doing that again soon, will we? You care Where is the, that's deal, the thing you? he's gonna miss the most with Dax? <laughs> Dax and I are just friends. I miss gambling and hitting on giants. <laughs> uh, by the way, it was at the beginning of this scene. I think I was saying the earlier scene when Dax was talking about it, but it was especially this scene that uh, Cisco and Bashir are talking about it. Like Cisco seems to be talking about it as though Trill means symbiont and Bashir says has she changed much from the last one I understand a trill integrates the personality of each new host um which that's not even saying the well, trill is the host that's saying that like the that that Dax Curzon and previous Daxes yeah they have the personality of every host they've had so the, that all gets pushed into the next host I guess I'm saying that the terminology of trill here is being used as the equivalent of symbiont, even though. So I don't know if it's. <laughs> I guess you could head canon that's just like, well, maybe, uh, maybe uh, definitely Bashir and Cisco don't really know that distinction. Although I don't know why Cisco wouldn't. You have nothing to fear from me. I mean, if I were in your shoes, knowing Dax as intimately as you do. I think I'd find her hard to resist. You don't understand, Doctor. Dax used to beat me regularly at Barefist Juro Counterpunch. <laughs> well, I guess you won't be doing that again soon either. That was that was a high level. That was word we know, made up word word we know. <laughs> yeah, it was. There's a lot of uh, great heights reached here. <laughs> Deep space Nine. That's right. I was like so bummed out for them when they started bringing in these chairs. Like, oh my god, that's being like actual school chairs. That's annoying. I think that's to make you give it that frontier feel. School tomorrow, honey. Can I come to school? Oh, I wish you could. At least then I'd know one student would be coming. But you have to wait a year or two. How's it going? We'll be ready in time. In time for what? I'm not sure. Aside from Commander Sisko, we haven't had a firm commitment from any of the parents. What's this? Just a little something I replicated on the way over. Help Mommy to open her present, Molly. Come on. <laughs> what do presents mean anymore? It's like a really good point. I replicated this. And it like, really you know, is. And then like Worf... <laughs> Remember that scene in Data's Day when Worf is trying to find a present for them? And and Data talks is talking to him, and they you know they go by like uh, some glass swans. They <laughs> don't. <laughs> and it's just like, guys, this is weird that you just go into a catalog and essentially rep pr- print out something for them. <laughs> Look, in the future, finally, it really is the thought that counts. <laughs> <laughs> we got it. It's the thought that counts. We did it. Murderer, shape-shifting freak. The subtitles. I really like um, what's his face's performance here. Where is he? Where'd he go? What's his name? Blue-eyed Bajoran guy. <laughs> Bless me, thank you. Okay. 
Meanwhile, in the growing tub so of gross. ooze, this Do guy really, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's really playing, uh, he's really playing up the whole, like, I think I can get a chant going. And, like, he tried to land on something. <laughs> so great. Murdering shifter. Shape shifter. Um, what if we just say, how about we just say shifter? Anyone? I want more security here and I want them armed. Also, the, uh, the Bajoran guards, now we've seen a few episodes where they're where they are completely freaked out at the slightest thing that is happening. These are the same guys that I think were, were uh, completely taken Again, down by the Dura sisters. The Cardassians ran a tighter ship, you know? I was well, not used to this. I do have an Andy's theory, which is... Are all Bajoran women badasses and all Bajoran men wussy cowards? Andy's theories are very interesting because he's really smart. Pattern's changing. It's definitely humanoid. It's definitely humanoid. It's definitely. My God. Dax, I think I know what it is. Run a chromosome analysis. I think we're going to find a gene sequence degradation. This was also... That's such a classic... Uh, not even just... Yeah, I landed on it. Just shifter. That's what we're going to say. I got him to do it. Nice see. What the hell do you people intend to accomplish here? We want the shapeshifter. What do you think you're going to do to him if you get to him? He's right. We didn't think about it. How do you get a rope around the neck of a shapeshifter? <laughs> Listen. Whoa. I wish everybody, all the other was like, whoa, dude. <laughs> he didn't. Yo. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> we just wanted him out of the office because this is really good office space on the promenade. <laughs> You're fucking gross, man. And then they all turn on him. <laughs> to me. You will disperse immediately. Return to your quarters. Return to your ships. Look at how fast the Bajoran guys get taken down. Well, I mean, one of them did throw a shoe. Had another majority. What you try to do here? Do not condemn this man because he is different than you are. We condemn him because of the evidence. Yeah. What was that shift in voice tone? He's really making this guy's making every second count. And I think it's exactly why we never saw him again. <laughs> Don't bring my guy back. What do you mean? Then take Although, that evidence to a court of law. I have to assume that he was directed or in the script and or the uh, direction to act like this to a certain degree as a misdirect that may, maybe he was responsible. He's the person who framed Odo. He didn't frame Odo. I know. I think it's, it's set up as a misdirect. I see. What? Come with me. This Commander. Commander Sisko. Come quick. We have some new, new evidence. evidence. <laughs> the man who was murdered was not Ibudan. What? Come with me. So what I was going to say is when he said, I think I know what it is. That's such a classic movie and TV moment. And then you wait, you hold on it. This is 
a really a time when I really bought it. I was like, you know what? I don't know. I don't know what the solution is. I have some theories. Uh, I'm interested, and it was a good performance of his real excitement. Mm. <laughs> to frame me for his murder. How can we be sure the victim was a clone? A clone has identical DNA to that of the donor. But certain cloning methods cause a characteristic gene sequence degradation, which can be detected. If you know to look for it. We've matched the victim's gene sequence with the fellow in the jar here. They're definitely both clones. And what happens to this one? In about two days, he becomes a living, breathing member of Bajoran society. I've created a person. There's no moral ramifications of that. What about Ibuda? I have an idea where to find him. Well, I think you know. I warn you, I'll call ship security. Do that. I have some interesting questions to ask them. For example, I'm especially curious to know how the name La Monet S came to appear on this ship's passenger list yesterday. That is my name. And I arranged transfer on this vessel. Why should that be so strange? You did not arrive on this ship. No. Well, just what ship did you arrive on, Mr. Lamonet? Yes? I can't find any record of your arrival on any vessel that has docked here in the last three weeks. What a what a weird name for them to just decide to go with in the script. <laughs> Lamonet S. <laughs> this guy, you gotta hand it to him. First of all, it's hilarious when he pulls the mask off in like a Mission Impossible style. It's like that's how uh, it works in the future. It's still just like a layer. <laughs> um, but also, you gotta uh, show the you gotta show the disguise coming off. <laughs> yeah, that's part of the whole thing. It's part of the thrill. Um, but uh, also, uh, you know, if this guy really just had a you know had a disguise on. He's doing a fantastic character voice as the old man. It's really convincing. Lemonade. <laughs> <laughs> Still murder. I wish it was just his name backwards. <laughs> <laughs> ah, why didn't we see it? <laughs> Would have gotten away with you. Maybe with it's two if it wasn't for you meddling Odos. <laughs> try it for a few weeks so go to the top of that when he comes in and he brings him in going to take a little time to sit down not next to that human boy I don't want you to have anything to do with him we'll try it for a few weeks so see that feels like there's a backstory there like something happened you know things at home I mean I guess Nog you ever, like, annoyed your father? <laughs> no. I was a little yeah, angel. Well, it's, no, uh, it's no wonder you don't know what happened off screen. I can easily see my mother yanking me into there and throwing <laughs> me in that. Please come in. It seems like this is uh, going to be a real seat. drag for Jake when he's there with all these kids. My name is Keiko Bryan. I'll be your teacher. Why don't we turn on our computers and access the files on Bajor to find out a little bit more about the people in the history of this world. Mr. Witch is like, next time just try to be on time, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like a little passive aggressive shot. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh cool, there you have it. That's uh 
that's uh what are we saying that's the show of that's the episode right one last thing to say is just that uh in the sort of captain's wrap-up or commander's wrap-up i guess in this case um it's hilarious to me that one of the plot points is that uh after his name was cleared to my knowledge odo has received no apologies (laughs) <laughs> that's a big thing to say <laughs> I mean come on somebody you you were trying to kill him I mean come on you were <laughs> not even that guy who a giant riot. shifter shifter <laughs> uh, shifter shifter we're not aboard anymore you said that thing <laughs> uh Okie dokie, MVC. In the vastness of space, when the going gets rough, you gave it your all, you showed the right stuff, you managed to not blow the ship to smithereens. That's why you're this week's MVC. I mean, he's a, he's a pest. Uh, and he's uh, got questionable workplace uh, behavior, but I feel like it's got to be Bashir. But he's a hell of a doctor. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, if it, if Bashir didn't do it, I think Odo would have been out of a job and in a prison. Yeah. Way to go, Odo. I mean, Bashir. I mean, way to go, Bashir. Yes, Andy, that's what I meant. Jesus. Sorry. So fucking always on me. <laughs> really apologize. How many Andy's does this episode get? I enjoyed it. I thought it was really well written as as in akin to all of the hails. And I know this is this is hilarious because even more than my resistance to TNG at the beginning, I really was just like, this show is not going to be interesting. And uh, I think it's a ref- my my just my perspective on television and my expectation for Star Trek, especially you know against New Trek, which we've talked about before, and we said this why we're enjoying to a certain degree Enterprise is like it's you know New Trek is so like trying to make every episode into a weird serialized movie that doesn't that aren't as satisfying in individual episodes a lot of the time and everything's scaled up so much. This was like, we're doing this story. It's got these political, uh, kind of this political undertones. It's this kind of a procedural, you know, murder story, which often still feels shoehorned in and the ones that I've seen in like Voyager and such. This didn't feel shoehorned in. It felt more appropriate. I liked the Odo character going through it and trying to figure it out. I think it was very smartly written. I think the twist is smart. Even now, like, these tropes should have, even though I've seen, obviously, a million clone tropes, I I should have been able to see it coming based on how long ago this was made. Um, It's just really well put Mm. together. And even Odo being kicked off the case... Uh, and the way that they're building the characters slowly. So You're off the case, kid. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, is it is it like gripping? Like, no, it's not gripping. 
Like, but it is like it has me engaged, and it's really well done, and everyone's doing a really good job from the writing department on. So, I give it a seven. Hmm, interesting. There was a lot of talk to land on a seven. I apologize. There's a good, yeah, it's a good ABC and D and uh, the clone thing. I didn't see it coming because I hadn't remembered this episode. And uh, again, I agree with Andy that it's surprising that a show this old can trope yourself to death, but also still surprise you with the solving of a murder. And uh, because of that, I will give it a six point five. But when you were watching it this time, were you bored? No. No. All right. There you go. No, I wasn't bored. Mm. You showed Next me. show. Next show. Next show. Voyage to Deep Space Nine, where an alien virus sabotages the station. It's mutated into an airborne variety. Which means the whole station is infected. Who created this virus? The Bajoran, sir. Now, catastrophe threatens the outpost. I can't allow you to break quarantine. Better let her go, Cisco. She's all we've got. And survival lies in Kira's hands. This is kidnapping. All I want is the antidote. Next time on Star Trek Deep Space Nine. How I was hoping we would have a virus in quarantine episode. <laughs> can't wait, but it looks like Odo gets his regular makeup that early. I didn't realize it was that early in the show. Oh, I didn't catch it. He got I'm his looking forward makeups. to that. It's also interesting uh, they'd stack up the one where Bashir's the solution and then the next episode is a virus episode, but I guess it falls more on Kira based on how that's playing out. Uh, well, I look forward to it next week, everybody. And don't forget, if you want to hear this episode early or the rest of the episodes early, head over to patreon.com forward slash Star Trek TNC and become a patron. Thank you very much. Engage. Yet another jingle. Whoa. There's one thing that he must understand. I don't know why everything was playing right there. That was your classic nacho jingle. The show's actually still over. I'm sorry, Andy. False alarm. Andy obviously stopped his recording, otherwise he'd be talking. And I'm going to stop it. (laughs) 